a martini, shaken, not stirred. They call me Mr. Tibbs. I am your father. You can't handle the truth. Always do the right thing. All right, Mr. DeMille, I'm ready for my close-up. You're gonna need a bigger boat. My, my balls are freezing, sir. Mr. Surface's balls are freezing. Don't give in to them. They're trying to make a joke of everything. That's what they do. How do the elites control Mr. Service's bowels? All right, there he goes. All right, cool. Um, rock and rolling here. All right, everybody, we're Matt and Bob, and we're here to pod. We're going to be diving into the Oscar nominations for uh, 2021, and then at the end of the episode, we're going to talk about the vaccination special from South Park. I'm Matt Hayes, and you're um, <laughs> he's Bob, and you're listening to the... Analysis. Bob South Park's hottest club is Walgreens. What do you think about that? <laughs> I can't hear you, Hayes. You must have too many antibodies in your ears. Wait, are you serious? No, I'm kidding. No. I can absolutely. That's a joke from the South Park vaccination. <laughs> I can't hear you. I've got too many antibodies in my ears. <laughs> you just got vaccinated. I did. Vaxed up. We're going to try to do the impossible and. Be the most niche podcast on the planet by sandwiching the Doms and the South Park episode in the same set. But hey, man, you know you can skip around. You don't need to listen to the whole episode. Just pick and choose what you want. Yeah, we'll we'll have the the timeline broken down. We start South Park fifteen minutes and thirty two seconds in. So All right, let me skip right to that because that's yeah. that's the gold. <laughs> that's that's the bread and butter of these guys. Yeah, these guys. <laughs> um. All right. So. What would you say is the most exciting thing about these nominations? Because I have one. The most exciting thing? At this point, I don't know whether this makes me a cynic or not, but when nominations come out, I always first look at who didn't get in. Maybe it's because I'm always on the outside looking in. Well, no, yeah, you and everyone else. Everyone wants to talk about the snubs. They're always the guys who were going to be fifth place, Yeah, and then they fall off, and someone else... Line gets in line to be fifth place, but I I, well, I know I agree with you, but I, I don't know why I always am like, oh wow, I'm really surprised that Regina King didn't get a directing nomination. That's where I go first, you know. So here's me, Thomas Vinterberg, director for Another Round. I love that. We loved Another Round though. So loved loved Another is, Round. Go watch that immediately. Uh, and he kind of he knocks off the Regina Kings and the the Sorkin. Sorkin, the yeah, Sorkin yeah. didn't get nominated either. I was actually. I was as surprised each with Sorkin and Regina King, but did he, yeah, he did he get a nomination off. for uh, Molly's Game? Maybe people don't no, like him. He as never a got nominated yet. for that. This was supposed to be his big directorial breakthrough, and maybe it was Vic's fault. Maybe it was Vic's improv that he brought to those scenes. In I the love park. another round. I think that's so cool that he he got nominated here. So yeah, all right. A lot of these are set in stone. I think uh, there's not a ton of surprises. Um, I think it's a great list. Um, it is. Very now, diverse, really. The watershed of Parasite last year, yeah, really, which I think we kind of we kind of called. Um, mm-hmm. I think that it was pretty obvious it was going to be fairly diverse. But uh, apart from the father, uh, I think uh, I've taken down just about everything here. But the father is a main player. It's like picture, best actor, best actress, best supporting actress. Uh, th- what best score or best screenplay? Uh, there's a lot of noms there. I love how everyone likes to talk about Mank leaves the field with 10 nominations. That's going to get like, shut out. It's that's going to get nothing. like 10 losses. Yeah. 
Um, I might be putting it on my ballot for production design. It's going to get production design. Yeah. But other than that, it's, it's going to be just, it's going to be one of the names on the list that the pictures fade away as they cut to the winner. I'm telling so you. So here we go. The best picture noms. Uh, they, a possibility of 10. They went with eight. Uh, so that means at least, I, I think people have to at least put a, a movie, it has to get a certain amount of first votes for it to even be nominated, right? Um, mm-hmm. So we got The Father, Judas and the Black Messiah, Mank, Minari, Nomadland, Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, and The Trial of the Chicago 7. I think very representative of the best of the year. I mean, two notable absences would be Ma Rainey's Black Bottom and One Night in Miami, although I do not find those movies deserving of Best Picture nominations. Yeah, the two, the two play movies. Yeah. They're really speaking that if you film a play, basically, you are not going to get in. You're not trying enough. I don't You're know. Well, was Fences... Did that get a Best Picture nom? I don't. Denzel? I know both the actors were nominated and yeah. Viola Davis won, but I do not remember if Fences was nominated for Best Picture. I think Fences was a little better than Ma Rainey, though. I think that the one snub for Best Picture to me was what I was kind of hoping might win Best Picture, which was Soul. Soul, I yeah. wanted. I was one of these guys who was kind of like, if it sneaks in there, it's got all It's got all what you're looking for, where it's you know, a... a big movie that a lot of people have seen tons of people have seen from a studio that a lot of people watch has inclusion involved it was checking a lot of boxes and also was a fucking awesome movie is honestly one of my top five movies this year so i was kind of hoping soul wouldn't just get nominated but would win obviously yeah. that was a pipe dream top five or top three even for me I, people just don't care about animation like uh that they, they don't respect it they don't respect it. They they won't even give it a shot. Now there are Pixar fanatics. There are people that love it because it's great, you know, fodder for you know for their kids to lap up or something they can enjoy with their kids. But they don't see if it's just like three adults, uh, your average adults, they won't just put on an, an animated movie. Um, and I think that's a shame because one of the most heartfelt and and intellectual movies out there um, yeah one i think it made me think and feel the most of any movie this year i would say my favorite is going to be nomadland i think that's uh pretty much a lock in every category except actress um so <laughs> With a bucket of poop lies <laughs> yeah but whatever i just wanted to have a horse in that race i think best actress is uh somewhat of a wide open category there You've got the Golden Globe Award winner in there, although because you said she wouldn't be nominated. God damn it! You got uh, you got your everything girl. I touch turns to shit <laughs> in a bucket. It really does. I can't. It's like yeah, there's no way she gets fucking nominated. Globes, what do they know? Of course, there she yeah. is. Damn it! Um, that's going to be an interesting race, I think. Unless you know, and then we, as we get further into the award season, and it's just Carrie Mulligan just taking yeah, down sags. everything. You got Sags and BAFTA, which will say a lot. Yeah, big time. I know that she's won Critics' Choice, um, and that's about it that I know of. But yeah, SAG is going to be big for those. Carrie Mulligan, that is. Carrie Mulligan, yeah. Um, So we'll see what happens. But I think that that should be an interesting race. uh, Glenn Close. So she's the first person to ever be nominated for an Oscar and a Razzie for the same performance. Did you know that? I did not. This movie, Hillbilly Elegy, or whatever, Eulogy, is... Mm -hmm. 
is a 25% on Rotten Tomatoes. It looks terrible. She was nominated for a Razzie, though, because she's actually good in it. I will say I've seen it. Oh, you have? Yeah. Oh. I watched oh, it. I well, it's Ron it. Howard, and yeah. it's on Netflix, and it's Amy Adams and Glenn Coase, and I was like, fuck it. I'll throw yeah. this on for an hour and a half while I'm trying to fall asleep. And it's not great, but I thought Glenn Close was nice. Where where do you have this race going? I, I, I Right now, I'm penciling in Maria Bakalova having not seen Olivia Coleman in The Father. Yeah, that's also big. Could you see this? This feels like it's it could go anywhere. I I'm surprised at the love that Maria Bakalova is getting for Borat because I just it's not an Oscar movie, but I think not, it's well, impressive also, what, what she, she did. What is she doing in it that's so warrant of an achievement award? I don't know. Fearless improv in real life. I I don't, I don't know. It's uh, maybe the 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 get with Giuliani. People are just the the Hollywood leftist elite are just lapping that up. Who knows? I don't know. I I mean, I, I think what she did and what, um, you know, Sasha Baron Cohen does is incredibly impressive. Uh, and I know it's just for for a comedy, but what I mean, what they're doing there is is pretty exceptional. I think, and it's kind of cool to see it uh, kind of recognized. Uh, Yoon Yu Jun in Minari, she's the grandmother, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kind of cool. I thought she was she was a real scene stealer in that movie. She yeah. really kind of turned the tide or really flipped the script in terms of like the the vibe of the film as soon as she came in. Absolutely. Be... I could see her getting it. I mean, if Glenn Close were to ever have a chance, it would be one of those Alan Arkin Lifetime Achievement Award type of wins. Yeah. Where you're like, oh, what? I was not expecting that at all, but she's been a great actress her whole career and people must not have had a lot of conviction in some of these other performances <laughs> she needs to do a movie like the reader <laughs> the reader the reader i I've haven't seen, seen the, the reader, reader. <laughs> uh what's another one that stacks out so actor in a supporting role how about this so daniel kalua definitely the front runner but then we get lakeith stanfield his co-star who is in... absolutely the lead of this film but okay i'll go fuck myself yeah, well, I think this is a little bit of um, manipulating the system, which I I have no problem with. I mean, because it's maybe it's like I don't know how this works, where it's like, well, it looks like um, you know Chadwick Boseman is kind of a lock for lead actor. Let's try to get our guy into this other role. I mean, you you can make the case that they were two leads, or they were both supporting each other. They were kind of like half and half. If you but break there's... up the actual dialogue, I'm sure he would be considered the Yeah, because Kalua is gone for the second act of this movie. He goes to prison, and Stanfield's in every scene. That's where you get the whole rebuilding of the headquarters and and him making – like all of the drama between him and Pleemans, a lot of that stuff, there's – Kalua's gone in that. And so yeah. I think it's that's clearly your lead actor. The yeah. other one's support. I think I also think it it hurts having two actors in the same category for a movie. I you I I don't think there's going to be a lot of vote splitting, but I I just didn't like it. I didn't like the designation. Who who do we take out to get uh Lakeith Stanfield into leading role though? So we got Riz Ahmed, Sound of Metal, that that's locked keep in. Him there. Chad Chadwick Boseman, let's keep him, obviously. obviously. Anthony Hopkins, the father, haven't seen it. Haven't seen I it. mean, by all accounts, great. Gary Oldman in Mank, Stephen Yoon in Minari. 
I or you keep Stanfield out totally, I guess. But so I guess yeah. where you'd want to have more actors, you want to have more of your cast involved, I guess. Cause... So he he's either left out or he slots into supporting actor. I could see yeah. him in. I mean, between him and uh, Stephen Yen and Minari, I, yeah, that's kind of could... a toss up. Yeah. yeah. Uh, another one. Our favorite category is the screenplay categories. I, did you notice this? How the how is Trial of Chicago Seven in original? How does that work? I think he wrote an. It's not an adaptation of anything. It's, it's not based on adap- the pl- the play. I don't think it is. I think they're oh, similar I, I, to some degrees, but he's not he's not working off of the play. I guess you can make the argument that this is an original screenplay based on a, an event, but it wasn't based on pre- like the play was also based on that yes, that event. Exactly. I guess no, there's no dialogue overlap. Well, there is dialogue overlap because it's written from the the courtroom transcripts. Yeah, uh, but it's not like Social Network where he was working off of a novel from the courtroom transcripts. Yeah, versus, I honestly don't know. <laughs> this is me thinking out loud and trying to solve <laughs> the problem out loud. Yeah, I can I can smell the. Uh... Smell the, the, burning the flop sweat, here. yes. <laughs> All right, so the screenplays. Uh, Borat, The Father, Nomadland, One Night in Miami, and The White Tiger, which I haven't seen, although apparently it's on Netflix. I might have to add that to the list. I don't mm-hmm. even know what it is. But that's adapted. Uh, give me Nomadland there. But, I mean, that's that should be a fun race. And then original, I think, this is wide open. Chicago yeah. 7, Sound of Metal, Promising Young Woman, Minari, Judas, uh, I might I might give Chicago Seven an award here just because I don't know what else it would get. Um, so that might be where I've got that penciled in. Yeah, Judas is a really strong script. Uh, Promising Young Woman. You guys have all heard my opinion on Promising Young Woman, but I I really liked that script as well. So I'm not sure yet on on original, and it's my favorite category every year, and it normally is awarded to my favorite movie, so yeah. I think I might be convincing myself of where I'm going to go eventually. But, I yeah, it's a great, great category, always stacked with the top movies of the year. I think that it's wide open, man. I, I can't – I don't have strong feelings any way on these. Are you still confident in Carrie Mulligan? Yeah, for for actress. Yeah, I think I think she would have to be the lead there. Um, I'm surprised. Speaking of surprising, no Delroy Lindo. I thought maybe he might sneak into supporting actor. I'm actually I feel very vindicated that uh, Defy Bloods was essentially not recognized because um, I was not big on that movie at all, and I I, I thought it, it got so much love just because it was the right movie for the moment mm-hmm. kind of coincidentally obviously the movie was made years before the summer of protest um and it came out at the right time i i just found it so meandering and i i wasn't really in love with it so i like I delroy like, lindo a lot in the performance yeah i love it a lot of people was like give that guy the oscar right now uh with that and then all of a sudden all the other movies came out and then eh, well typical of were... a summer release right yeah um, achievement in sound. I don't see how you give this to anything yeah. other than sound and metal. Those are locks. Uh, which is an interesting. I mean, the editing and the mixing. It was Together always kind of fun how they uh, distinguish those two. I will no longer have to at an Oscar party explain the difference between the <laughs> yeah. two as people are filling out their ballots. 
Hold on, um, let me pull it up on Google. We'll read it off of Google. What's the difference? Editing is the creation of sound. The mixing is when they join them all together. Um, or something like that. Uh, how about film editing? We're, we're now pros on the subject. Yeah, we got to get Billy back on here and swear at us. And... <laughs> yeah. Ah, these all like. fucking suck. That fucking guy. I work with him back on Days of Thunder. He's a fucking idiot. Yeah. Um... I don't know what to go with here. The Father, Nomadland, Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, Trial of Chicago 7. Um, a lot of different kind of approaches here. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm going to go heavy on Nomadland on this on this this ballad here, but Trial of the, the Chicago 7, uh, Promising Young Woman, snappy editing. Mm. Uh, Nomadland, it kind of had some cool, like like a bit prosaic, uh, meditative in nature with the editing. Um, yeah. She was the wandering through the badlands. There was a lot of kind of. I mean that. A lot of times, editing works with cinematography. Yeah, right? I was just those say two kind of go lockstep, and I might be totally wrong if I look back on the last ten years and how many one was different than the other. But I always feel that those two run parallel with each other. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the the editing kind of set up the cinematography, or maybe they knew that they were just getting such good stuff uh, from the cinematography, so they wanted to really edit that in to the to the cut. Um, yeah, Chicago, uh, Chicago Seven for cinematography, Nomadland, News of the World, Mank, and Judas. Um, we're we're talking about a lot of the same movies here yeah, in, yeah. in these categories. Drink every time we say, "Haven't seen the father." Yeah, I, well, without seeing the father, I without uh, seeing I, the father. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know, man. It's uh, I think it's pretty indic- indicative of of a diverse, solid, salvaged year when we a lot of the major players were sitting this one out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think, like you said early on, some of the the smaller uh, indie darlings are, are now kind of front and center. Do you see anyone? Taking down Chloe Zhao for director, how? What's your runner-up, or if she's even your favorite, Emerald Fennel or David Fincher? I don't think Fincher. Even though at this point it's very sad that he hasn't won a director yet, I think we're still waiting for his breakthrough. He's already had some masterpieces, but I think we're still waiting. I think. Emerald Fennel to me would be where I go. I, th- it's, at this point, I think that's. I, I don't think Nomadland runs away with a lot of stuff like you're feeling right now. I think, to our original gut, you're going to see a very representative awards show, meaning different movies winning awards all over the place. Do you, so do you see Chloe a director? Is, I think she would win for director though. Yeah, so that's the most. You think that's Nomadland's most likely award? So, uh, do you see a, a director best picture split? Potentially, holding my cards close to my vest. <laughs> all right, intrigue. <laughs> um, all right, well, the, this this is a big year for the Oscar bet guys. Every year, yeah. it seems like we're just taking it up an extra level. So, three are years we still ago, doing one point per? 
and no waiting? No waiting except for the locks that we had in the beginning of the year. So let me break this down for the people before we get to South Park. So three years ago, Roma, Oscar bet, the loser had to buy themselves a nude bodysuit and do the Roma naked fight choreography that happens in that movie. If you don't remember, there's a man who's doing some sort of jujitsu nude in the movie. So Uh, cool. So impressive. I lost it. I lost, and my jujitsu was not nearly as impressive, and my body was not nearly as tight in the bodysuit. <laughs> the next year we came back, we brought it up a level in terms of embarrassment. Uh, the loser had to sing a la... Um, being alive. Being alive. A la... Uh, what's my, my, my actor's name? I got Adam Driver yeah. from Marriage Story. They had to sing Being Alive, and Hayes lost... And <laughs> it was, oh man, I, I, we got to put the videos up of the first two years. But so you had to go out in, a, in an actual karaoke bar and sing Being Alive, which is not a very fun karaoke song when you're outside of a New York piano, piano bar. Yeah, and so brutal. this year, the Oscar bet, uh, because both Bucket Shitting is referenced in Nomadland and Minari, uh, the loser will have to film themselves shitting into a bucket. Um, <laughs> we might lose yeah. our Instagram account. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the loser must buy a bucket toilet. You can find them on Amazon. So they have they have a little seat that closes. It's over a big bucket. You must set up uh, <laughs> set up your iPhone <laughs> or GoPro or however you would like to do this. Introduce yourself. Talk about the bet that you lost, uh, and then with the bucket covering your genitals in the nude, <laughs> you must turn around and walk out into a field. In the field. <laughs> Plop down the bucket and take a shit. Yeah. So the stakes are high, everyone. <laughs> I better. Wa- I'm, I'm gonna be watching the shit out of these uh, yeah, uh, Oscar shorts. <laughs> the- yeah, this is gonna be the first year where I watch all the Oscar shorts. <laughs> Twice. Yeah. Yeah. The shorts, the international features, every single one. Yeah. Uh, also a wrinkle this year was if you before the Oscar season started, meaning before the Globes and, and all the subsequent awards that really start to clue you in on who might win. If you locked in a performer or a category before the season, you got double the the points or was it triple the points for that for that win? I don't remember. I, well, because we we both went soul, so we'll just kind of cancel yeah, that cancel out. So out. basically, we're basically we're only um, we're we're only leveraged in the actress category, uh, just because uh, movies were still getting released as Globes, where nominations were coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in a normal year, it'd be a lot more fun, and you could be like, "Oh, I just saw Nomadland. I think it's winning Best Picture," and then but. In. Yeah. I'll lock it in. And then you don't know what's still to come, right? Like maybe mm-hmm. Minari hadn't released yet or or whatever it may be. You're like, I just saw No Man Land. I'm locking in right now, best picture. And that's like, that's your moonshot. You know what I mean? Like if you yeah. lock something in in the summer, maybe we'd have to wait it where it's like if you're so many months out, you get an extra Yeah, point. yeah. But anyway, so we're both locked in for an actress. But uh, and that's cool. we'll, we'll go double the points. Double so points. If, that's fair. If, if your actress wins, you get four or yeah. Or whatever, maybe you would get triple, two. or triple. Yeah, yeah get three. Let's versus go triple. One. So you get three yeah. versus one. Okay. So and then every other category is one point, and there you go. and they're all equally weighted. So if, <laughs> missing on best picture is like missing on the uh, live action short. So it, it, <laughs> it 
It makes it back some shorts. Yeah, man. I'm so watching those. Okay. Uh, well, yeah, that's a little tease of the, the Oscar breakdown for anyone that gives a shit. Um, I, I, I think it's a good list. Whether or not you care about the awards ceremony or watching it or, like, watching uh, Hollywood reward itself, I, I do th- – objectively, I think it's a pretty accurate representation of the best of the year. So for people just simply looking for a list to go off of and not necessarily really watching the ceremony, I think it's pretty accurate. I think it's a good representation. So. Yeah. Would you? What would you say for people that are like, oh, I don't want to watch that. Uh, I haven't seen any of the movies that are nominated this year, which is probably a lot of people, right? Would you say, hey, that's totally cool. Don't watch the award show, but use that as an opportunity. Use this list as an opportunity to go check out some movies that haven't come across your face yet, but you probably should give a check out to. Yeah, exactly. And, and actually, I, I wonder if people have maybe seen these movies more than other years because they're all streaming, right? Mm-hmm. All They're all on Netflix or Hulu or HBO Max. Like These weren't like... Limited release only in theaters, Nomadland, Minari. Yeah, Yeah, like you didn't have have to go out to the music box uh, on a midnight screening uh, in the rain to see Minari. It's just sitting right there for you. I so I think I think the eyeballs on these nominees might be higher, um, but that's just a guess. Um, Well, anyway, let's get into the vaccination special. Uh, My new favorite character, Mr. Service, Mr. Service. A.K.A. Bob Panalone. Okay. All right. <laughs> With his little coin purse in the in the driving his snow. Pouch. <laughs> what do you think of this episode? It was okay. I. It's hard not to compare it to the pandemic special, which was much funnier in my opinion, and much no, more Randy heavy. No Randy, except for the last. Uh, title or the last the last scene there also we in got that the vaccination scene, special there's still a little bit of the vaccination still special little left. time left in the season also i don't know if you noticed this but as the town was partying with the vaccine they pan across and you see dildo schwagens <laughs> oh really <laughs> I, <laughs> I was too focused on the uh, suck of my jag on guys Right in the front, in the forefront. Go watch it again. Dildo Schwagens. Dick Slapperman? A.K.A. <laughs> Dick Slapperman. That was a cool shot because there was just so many random characters from all over in, in, in the past. But, yeah, you can the, really, the, the pooping taco. and Yeah, yeah. Some of their most fun creations, obviously. It, yeah, the it, imagination I like how... guy. It it kind of it was like Imagination Land meets like this meta, um, Town Matt Party. and Trey uh, just kind of putting themselves into the episode as the creators. It was kind of yeah. Cool. The fourth wall break there was pretty interesting. There was a lot of meta happening, but overall, it's it's fun. I I'm not gonna complain. I was probably a little overhyped to watch it, but South Park loves a good quest. And you're back with the kids. They set up early that the kids need to go on this vaccine quest and get it to the school. They they love that. They they do that well. So we go on a little quest. I think one of the running through lines that didn't connect with me as much was Kenny being this almost divorcee child. I I yeah. didn't really understand the child lost in the divorce. The yeah. the broship. But yeah, that was also interesting just that the boys, because it was a comment on kids dealing with the vaccine and 
communicating less or falling out of friendships with each other and going through the brochins and stuff like that is kind of this, <laughs> this interesting take on just chi- children's lives in the vaccine. What's funny is that there are... Or in the pandemic, excuse me. There are two schools of thought or, or two schools of th- fandom on the show, right? And we see this every single time they do like a March Madness of all the characters. It comes down to Randy versus Cartman every single time. Um, me and you would always vote Randy, and I, but I feel like Cartman usually wins those. It's like 50-50. But, it's the nostalgia. So, Randy, so we is, got the, Randy is the now and Cartman was the then. Yeah, exactly. Although to some people, Cartman is also the now. Um, but because you get the vaccination special was very much the kids going on a quest and, you know, the parents are idiots and, uh, you know, uh, it's just about the friends, the friendship. And then with the pandemic special, it's all Randy. Uh, and that's much more sort of what I what we enjoy now. It's well, kind of which cool one was funnier. Pandemic I mean, special. I know we're. I know we're obviously biased, but the pandemic special to me was a lot of Randy fucking bats and in China and trying to hide it from Sharon and fucking like that was fantastic. Yeah. You know, this is just like, okay, we're on a quest again. All right. All right. Yeah. Fuck you, Kyle. Okay. Here we go. Uh, we get Mr. Garrison back in his classic form. It's been a long time. Uh, yeah. It's kind of funny. They're like, oh, yeah, I got a lot of baggage. Yeah. And you know, man, Trader, like, man, I'd love to bring Garrison back, you know, because we've seen S- Santa Claus and the Devil and all these like nostalgia characters recently. Like, let's get let's get Garrison back. I'm sick of doing the Trump stuff. But they're like, oh, how do we do it? Well, what if we, we we'd have to do this this meta thing where we kind of take them out of the the two dimensional world and that. So it's kind of them struggling. Uh, it was very an existential crisis with them, really. One of their favorite creations, and how do we get this back? Let's just like, how do we get this back to normal and stop mm-hmm. fucking around? With? So I kind of enjoyed seeing them work that out. I think and, the and, convergence of the vaccine storyline with the QAnon storyline worked. Yeah, it wasn't as funny, but those those two things worked together. What was funny about the QAnon stuff was it reminded me exactly of when they took down or when they really took down um, Scientology. Mm-hmm. And in the entire time, we're like, this is what these people actually believe was like on the bottom of the screen. Mm-hmm. And I think they went that exact same approach with this, where it's like word for word what what is or maybe they just made that completely up. I wouldn't be able to tell because QAnon is so ridiculous. Um what did you think? Did you think that's actually like a tenet of QAnon, or was they just yeah, they just... absolutely that they think that the the whole children because so our SNL's made fun of it too with the whole oh I children. I know about that the the, the cabal and mm-hmm. yeah so I wonder if that was just a visualization of like if they really went deep on research and just decided to animate everything they found, which would be hilarious. I I think it I think it's so good. I actually thought the QAnon stuff was the best part. And yeah, first of all, Bob White and the Whites is still a great bit. Mm-hmm. And us Whites have been behind you the whole time. Chosen Nobody one. cares about the Whites. Nobody cares. But then and then when he's giving his little speech and it pans over and you've got the fucking the Viking helmet guy who yeah. is now just the poster child of fucking crazy GOP people. But guys it's, really having a moment. Yeah, he's he's really. Uh, an icon at this point but it's i thought uh, i thought that stuff was was really funny the teachers and uh the, the little cuties and that whole that whole piece and 
you believe you're I, I can't remember what Cartman says I'll paraphrase it but he's like you're allowed to believe whatever you want but whatever you believe is fucking stupid <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah exactly what do you think uh, of the dueling uh, reporter and news anchor well yeah it's kind of like it's like Tucker Carlson versus uh, it's just like you know CNN versus Fox News or it's just uh, everything is so polarized. Like e- even the left, it's like if you're not far left, then you're you're not you're the problem. Or, so there's no moder there's no moderation anymore. So even people at this, the news reporters at the same station are just like choosing. Everyone has to choose a side, whether it be like the little cuties or the uh, the the kids who care with a K. <laughs> uh, community kids. Community oh, kids. community okay. kids. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I just think that was a representation of. Uh, it's like cancel culture versus maybe I don't know, people of, I don't know, whatever. Maybe who aren't like far right, but maybe just aren't, or maybe not, aren't so into the cancel culture. They're kind of caught in the middle. So I think sometimes our South Park argues both sides and we know that they're left leaning, right? Yeah. But. I, sometimes, even just if you look back at the themes of Team America World Police, and they're they're making fun of all this, but at the end, there's that monologue where the guy's like, hey, dicks fuck pussies, but you can't be a pussy, otherwise, you know, you're going to end up shit everywhere. You know, sometimes <laughs> dicks fuck assholes, and you need a dick to fuck an asshole, and, he, and it's just kind of saying, like, hey, sometimes you need to fight fire with fire, and, you know, they, they, they kind of make some of these, uh, they do argue both points of view they make fun of everybody right yeah and so that's their thing they always make fun of everybody they make fun of everyone right so these people that are like oh the community kids are are standing up for what they believe in it's like well so are the little cuties right like if they (laughs) but they're standing up for the wrong thing but if they truly believe that they're standing up for what they believe in like what's what's the harm in that and then it's like no they're what they believe in it's it's just kind of making this argument where it's like well here's the other side of the (laughs) here's the other side of the table and and i What's so great about Matt and Trey and that they're always completely aligned with with and they always word it, whether through metaphor. Uh, I I just they always just say it so beautifully that I couldn't. Where mm-hmm. it's basically the episode which is highlighting the hypocrisy on both sides. Yeah, which is is exactly how I feel. Where it's like they're they're you're screaming at this other people, but you're doing the thing that you're angry about just on the flip side of things. And you can't see it. You can't. Yeah, and you're you're so tunnel visioned on your yeah. point of view that you're absolutely blinded to what the other side or point of view might be saying. And yeah. no one wants to have a communication or conversation. And yeah, exactly. So, and I I still think that they they believe obviously that the QAnon stuff is just fucking nuts. like they'll, they'll be yeah. like, okay, but that shit's crazy. Over I there. think we can agree on that. Yeah. 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 If so. we don't fuck this asshole, all our dicks and pussies will be covered in shit. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I, I thought that was interesting. Uh, some some other things. The best bit to me was the Walgreens nightclub guy with the rope, the velvet rope, and <laughs> Mackie trying yeah. to get in. <laughs> I thought the I just thought that Walgreens being this hip nightclub that people aren't allowed into was hilarious. And then going down the line, just yeah, I'm a smoker and my wife's thirty seven pounds overweight. We should get in. Oh, what? No, I've got pre-existing condition. I got genital warts, and I will show you. Yeah. These yeah, that, that first five assholes. minutes was a great opening, I thought. Yeah. That was honestly I mean, the biggest laugh of the whole episode. 
Uh, I the the first mention of Mister Service got me, and then we pan across to see some of our favorite characters. The uh, w- w- when they suddenly cut to the that driving blizzard, and <laughs> Mister Service's balls are freezing. Ah, uh, the the detail of his sack, I I thought I thought was so funny. Um, but what a wasted opportunity! Like, how funny would Randy be in that line? Yeah. How how funny would Randy be when he got the vaccine and he's. Yeah! Yeah! Randy trying to justify why he should get the vaccine first <laughs> would have been sure. It's worth a. Re- it's worth to see. They should do a sequel to this to see what Randy was doing this whole time. Yeah, right. Why not use him? I mean, I know that he was in an hour long episode, and they. I think maybe they're thinking that the bit is getting tired with Farmer Randy, but but you then can't they add him not in at the use end him. Just to say, yeah. Fuck you. Yeah. I don't know, but maybe they were like, maybe they saw themselves using Randy as a crutch and they wanted to just... Yeah, which they're also talking about being lazy, right? Cartman with all of his period jokes, and he's yeah. like, yeah, we're getting lazy. We're just, we're going through the motions. Yeah, and of course they are. Yeah, so they're just like, just doing a bunch of wee jokes of Randy, and I, I'm, I'm good with that. I don't know. Yeah, overall, I would give it a C plus. Definitely yeah. a fun hang. It's always a fun hang. Just not as good as Pandemic Special. Yeah. All right, cool. Uh, all right, man. Well, that's going to do it. And uh, I guess we'll check back and do like an Oscar ballot uh, fill-out show um, where we High lay it stakes. down. High stakes. High stakes. High stakes. Better stop picking out your uh, your little potty toilet bucket there, Bob. <laughs> no, sir. <laughs> It was actually funny. We'll we'll leave right after this, but I was explaining to my girlfriend our bet this year, and she's like, that's not fair. Hayes probably already shits in buckets. Probably what? not even a big deal for him. How did... What is she's that like, even... He's on hikes. He's probably shitting out there on those hikes all the time. Those are called wag bags, okay, Brecken? <laughs> you carry this little bag, and it folds out, and it's all this, this gel that, like, locks in the odor... And I've desperately tried to never have to use one by starving myself until I'm actually, like, famished. And then anything I eat will simply be burned off in energy and I won't have any there shit. Um, well, but no. you're going to be shitting in a bucket. And with that, <laughs> thanks, everybody, for listening. <laughs> yeah. How many buckets of shit did this episode get? <laughs> uh, all right. Let's, let's talk to you next time. All right, everybody. We'll see you down the road. Bye. Bye.